the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, Give our kids a, a big hand again. All right. I don't know. I don't know if it, it it just warms my heart to see all of these kids up here with smiles on their faces, singing about Jesus, having fun at Christmas time. God has blessed us so much. Every child is a miracle. Every child is a gift uh, from heaven. Uh, last Sunday afternoon, Jennifer and I were meeting with uh, about. 10 couples in Milton, they're talking to us about starting a Greystone campus up in Milton, and they were asking us about student ministry and children's ministry, and I was sharing with them that, that the students and the children are not the future of our church, they are our number one mission field right now, and we want to reach the kids, okay, and so... Appreciate all of them and all the volunteers. Let me, let me welcome our Walton campus or our Coney campus, everybody who's watching online. Uh, today we're continuing our series, Christmas at the Movies. Hopefully you guys have some popcorn. Uh, we have popcorn, candy, Cokes. If, if you don't have any and you wanna get some, then go out in the lobby, okay? Y'all can just get up and leave right now and go, go get some, because we're gonna be watching some movie clips, and then I'm gonna be talking about uh, some of the clips and, and the spiritual meaning behind it. Last week, we looked at Home Alone, and so many people said, you know, I never saw the gospel message in Home Alone, and if you didn't see last week's message, I encourage you to go on our website and watch it. Now, today, we're going to talk about uh, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. I did all kind of research, and there's so many sites that say this is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Uh, it's a wonderful life. How many of you think It's a Wonderful Life's the best Christmas movie of all time? Okay, a, a handful of people. You know, some of the younger people haven't seen this movie. Uh, my son, Joe, and as he was editing it this week, he's like, yeah, I've never seen this, this movie. It's, it's this, this great movie starring Jimmy Stewart. And Jimmy Stewart is the guy by the name of, of George Bailey. And George Bailey grows up in this small town of, of Bedford Falls. And George Bailey's a dreamer, okay? He's an idealist. And and he wants to be a millionaire, he wants to change the world, he wants to travel the world, he wants to, to build cities, and, and he has these, these big dreams and these, these big ambitions in life. And so I wanna, we wanna show an opening clip uh, from the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and th this is a clip of George. When he's 21 years old, he had saved up his money. He hasn't been able to go to college yet, but he's been saving up his money to, to travel and go to college. And then, then, he, then this, this girl that kind of, this young little girl that, that grew up in town, 
Her name is, is Mary, and she ends up later on being his wife, but she's not at this point in time, uh, played by Donna Reed. And this is George sharing his vision and his dreams with Donna Reed, so check it out. Granville House. Oh, no, don't. I, I love that old house. No, you see, you make a wish and then try and break some glass in. You've got to be a pretty good shot nowadays, too. too oh, no, what? George, don't. It, it's full of romance, that old place. I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live in as a ghost. Now, watch. It's right in the second floor there, see? What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish, a whole hat full. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long. Were oh, you going to throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? tonight can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Dance by the light of the moon. What'd you wish when you threw that rock? Oh, no. Come on, no. tell me. If I told you, it might not come true. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. All right, so George Bailey is 21 years old. He, he's an idealist. He's, he's a visionary. He's, he's this big dreamer. And he grows up in this small town of, of Bedford Falls. And he wants, to, he wants to travel the world. He wants to get out of this small town. He wants to go to go to college, and uh, as soon as he shares his dreams with, with Mary, he finds out that his father has passed away, his father has suddenly died, uh, his family business, the, uh, the Bailey Build and Loan Company, they're thinking about shutting it down, and the board of directors meet, and they said, the only way that we're going to keep the, the Bailey Building and Loan Company over, open is if George will stay, if you'll stay home and run the Bailey Building and Loan Company. And so all the money he had saved up for college, he ends up giving it to his, his younger brother, Harry, and Harry ends up uh, going off to college. George stays home. He, he marries Mary. They ended up having, having four kids. The, the house that she throws the rock into was that old rundown house. They end up renovating that house, and they, they make a life for themselves uh, in Bedford Falls. And, and right before they got married, they had saved up all their money to go on the honeymoon but as they're about to go on the honeymoon, they're about to travel the world, uh, there's, a, there's a panic with the bank and people need their money. And so they end up using their money from the honeymoon to give to all the, all the people to, to help them make it uh, through. And so things are going good for, for George and Mary and, and their family, but he's, he, he just feels trapped. He feels stuck in this, this hometown. And things haven't worked out the way that he wanted them uh, to work out. And on Christmas Eve, his uncle, Billy, has taken $8,000 of the deposit to the bank, and he ends up somehow uh, losing the money. The family business is in jeopardy. He's not sure what's going to happen. Uh, 
Potter, uh, Mr. Potter, who is kind of kind of the slum lord uh, of the town, he somehow gets the gets the money and is kind of holding o- over George. And so George comes home that day, and uh, he, he's in a bad mood, and his life hasn't turned out the way that he wanted it uh, to turn out, and he ends up losing his temper with his wife and his kids. And so let's check out the clip here of George uh, on that Christmas Eve. What's the matter with everybody? Janie, go on. I told you to practice. Now go on, play. Oh, Daddy. <laughs> George, why must you torture the children? Why don't you? Mary. Please help me, Mr. Potter. Help me, won't you, please? Can't you see what it means to my family? I'll pay any sort of a bonus on the loan, any interest. If you still want the building and loan, I'm... George, could it possibly be there's a slight discrepancy in the books? No, sir, there's nothing wrong with the books. I've just misplaced $8,000. I can't find it anywhere. You misplaced $8,000? Yes, sir. Look at you. You used to be so cocky. You were going to go out and conquer the world. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. What are you but a warped, frustrated young man? Miserable little clerk crawling in here on your hands and knees and begging for help. No securities, no stocks, no bonds, nothing but a miserable little $500 equity and a life insurance policy. (laughs) You're worth more dead than alive. All right, George. Go ahead, go ahead. You can't hide in a little town like this. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas! Glad you come. How about some of that good spaghetti? We got everything. so much, my friend. Please go home, Mr. Bailey. This is Christmas Eve. Bailey? Which Bailey? This Mr. George Bailey. <laughs> the next time you talk to my wife like that, you'll get worse. She cried for an hour. You 
I'm all right, George. Who's that? He gone. No worry. His name is Welsh. He don't come into my place no more. Oh, what? That's what I get for praying. The last time he come in here, you hear that, Nick? Where's my insurance policy? No, no, please, no go this way, Mr. Oh, Bailey. Oh. No, no, you, no, feels good. Sit down and rest. Oh. Please, no, go away, please. So George is in a bad spot, and his life hasn't turned out the way that he had hoped and dreamed uh, that it would turn out. He thinks they're going to lose the, the Bailey Building and Loan Company. He goes to the bar. He gets drunk. He's, he's driving it. He gets in a wreck, and, and, and Mr. Potter, the, the slumlord, tells him that, that he's worth more dead than he is alive. And so George is at the bridge, and he's, he's contemplating suicide. He's contemplating uh, taking his life. And so his wife and his kids, we didn't show this part of the clip, but they're, they're at home and they're, they're praying for him. The police are out, are out looking for him. And God answers the wife and the kids' prayers. And God sends the angel Clarence. And, and Clarence is a second-class angel. Clarence is, is still trying to get his wings. Um, but God sends the angel Clarence to, to save George. And Clarence sees that George is about to, to jump into the water, and so Clarence jumps into the water so that George will then save him. Okay, so here's, here's where we pick up the movie. Why'd you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, now, think, just things like that. Now, how do you know that? I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. I'm worth more dead than alive. Now, look, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. If it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be a lot better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. And my... Look, little fellow, why you go off and haunt somebody else, No, you? now you don't understand. I've got my job. Oh, shut up, will you? Oh, 
this isn't going to be so easy. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, I'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. You don't have to make all that fuss about it. What'd you say? You've never been born. You don't exist. What's the matter? Well, this is where I left my car, and it isn't here. You have no car. Well, I had a car, and it was right here. I guess somebody moved it. Good evening. Oh, say, hey, uh, well, where's my car? I beg your pardon? My car, my car. I'm, I'm the fellow that owns the car that ran into your tree. What tree? What do you mean, what tree? This tree, here, I ran into it. Cut a big gash in the side of it there. You must mean two other trees. You had me worried. One of the oldest trees in Pottersville. Pottersville? Why, you mean Bedford Falls? I mean Pottersville. Don't think I know where I live? sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You we weren't here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. Here comes the scared baby. My kid brother, Harry Bailey. I'm not scared. George, you really had a wonderful life. 
Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Oh, well, I, I, I can't. Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if not... you know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? she... Where is she? She's just about to close up the library. Mary! 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 Mary, it's George. Don't you know me? What's happened to us? I don't know you. Let me go. Mary, please. Oh, don't do this to me. Please, Mary. Help me. Where's our kids? I need you, Mary. Help me. Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please! I want to live again! I want to live again! I want to live again! Please, God, let me live again! <laughs> So the angel Clarence was able to show George that he really did have a wonderful life and how life would have been so much different if he had never been born and, and the small town of Bedford Falls kind of turned into this Sodom and Gomorrah without, without George Bailey's uh, influence. And so, you know, he wants to live and, and he ends up running home. We can't show the whole movie, okay? This is church. I do, I do have to to teach some of the Word of God here. But I do enjoy hearing all the people eating their popcorn out there. So he goes running home, and he's yelling, Merry Christmas, and he's so excited. He's so, so thrilled to be alive, and he, he embraces his wife. He embraces his kids. And then uh, at the end of the movie, all the people that he had helped over the years, that he had helped all these people buy their own house and get them out from under the slumlord uh, Mr. Potter, they end up bringing money and donating the money on Christmas Eve, more than enough money to save the, the Bailey Building and Loan Company. And then at the end of the movie, we see that Clarence does get his wings, right? The little, little bell wings, rings, and, and Clarence gets his wings. There's a couple powerful messages that I want to point out uh, from this movie. The first one is if we, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we really do have a wonderful life. And I don't know where you are and how, how you're feeling and what place you are in your life, but if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a wonderful, wonderful life. God has given us the abundant life. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full and have it abundantly. The second thing is, is you may not realize it or not, but God is using you to impact other people's lives. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be a super Christian. You don't have to be a famous person or a social media influencer, you know, to, to change people's lives. Simply by living on mission, like we talked about in our last series of Family Goals, if you're living on mission, 
and you're living a life that is pleasing to God, you're living your life how God is leading you to live your life, then you're having an impact. And I want, I want to close our, our time today just by sharing a few simple ways this holiday season that we can impact other people for Jesus Christ. Okay, this is not rocket science. It's very simple, small things. Number one is we can impact people with our kindness. We come across people every day. And we can impact people just by how we treat them, treating them with respect, treating them with grace, treating them uh, with kindness. It says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Who do you need to be kind to? Who do you need to be compassionate to? Who is it in your life that you need to forgive? Number two is we can impact people with our example. We can impact people with our example. You never know who is watching you, and you never know when they're watching you. But people are always watching. And we can impact other people simply by how we live our lives. College game day was in Waco, Texas for the Baylor Bears football game. Uh, our good friend, Davey Pollock, who's a part of our Family Goals podcast, he was with College Game Day in Waco, Texas. And they were having a dinner on Friday night before College Game Day, and all these, all these people were there. And one of my friend's friends was at the same dinner that Davey was at. And he was watching Pollock. And he noticed that Pollock was one of the only ones who wasn't drinking alcohol. He noticed that Pollock was eating healthy. He noticed that Pollock didn't go out with everybody else, but he went home early and got a good night's sleep. You never know who's watching. And it got back all the way from Waco, Texas to Pastor Jay, right? That's why I, I used to tell my kids all the time, like, there's, we have eyes all over the community, okay? People are watching. Your teammates are watching. Your classmates are watching. Your neighbors are watching. Believe me, your neighbors are watching, right? <laughs> and I'm gonna leave, leave it at that with the neighbors because I have my neighbors are in the room. <laughs> First Timothy 4.12 says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. We can impact people with our example simply by how we're living our lives. We can impact people with our words. We can impact people with our words. Proverbs 15, four says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Our words are powerful. The Bible says over and over again how powerful our words are, like, like the tongue. It's one of the smallest uh, parts of our body, but it is so powerful. It, it, it can turn the, the direction of a ship. We can speak life into people with our words, or we can kill them. We can speak death into them. We can lift people up with our words, or we can put them down and we can, we can crush them. 
Our words, as the Bible says, can be like medicine to the soul, or our words can be like poison. I want to encourage us to impact people with our words, to speak life into people, to encourage people, to, to build them up, to tell people how much we love them, to tell people how much we care about them and how much they mean to us. Speak positive, encouraging words into people. Our words are powerful. We can impact people with our giving. We can impact people with our generosity. 2 Corinthians 9 7 says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I mean, Christmas is the time of, of giving. I think when you become a parent, this becomes so real to you. Because as a parent, you would so much more rather give something to your child than to have somebody else give something to you. Christmas is, is a time of, of giving. Next week, we have our annual Christmas offering. And I want to encourage every single person in our church, from like the, the little kids all, all the way up, to give to the Christmas offering. Because it's an opportunity to give God our first and our best and to be generous during this Christmas time. We can impact people with our giving. We can impact people with our actions through our serving. 1 John 3, 18 says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. We can impact people with our actions, and we can impact people through serving them, through doing things for them. I wanted to share with you a few ways that you can serve your neighbors. So I want you to think about your neighbors. Here's a few things you can do to serve your neighbors. You can let them borrow your tools. You can bring their trash can from the road to the house. You could mow their lawn. You could blow their leaves. You could cut down their trees if they want you to cut down their trees. You know, don't just go cut down their trees without asking. You could help them move heavy furniture. You could cook them a meal and take them meals several times. You could drive them to the hospital in an emergency. You could help them find their lost dog. You could help them with projects around the house. And you guys may, think, may be thinking, Jonathan, this, this is a, a strange list of things that you're kind of throwing out. These are all things that Steve the neighbor has done for me and my family over the last year. Yeah. Steve the neighbor. Steve the neighbor's kind of becoming a famous person, at least at Greystone Church. But Steve demonstrates his love through his actions, which is what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ said he didn't come to to be served, but to serve. And we can impact other people through serving them. We can impact people with our prayers. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
Do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe that God still performs miracles? We have the hope chest out every week. And I want you guys to know, this has been a challenging year for our family. And I've shared with y'all about our journey. But every single Sunday, Jennifer and I have gotten on our knees, we've come to the altar, and we've written something and put it in the, put it in the hope chest. Jennifer's mom was battling cancer. God answered our prayer. She's in remission. She's cancer-free. We celebrate that. And then also, also Jennifer's dad is now walking with a walker and no longer needs a wheelchair. So God answered that prayer. I took down the wheelchair ramp at our house yesterday to celebrate that God is in the, in the, in the business of, of answering prayers. Prayers are powerful. Prayers move the hand of God. See, there's certain things in life that we can't do, but God can do them. I've said this hundreds of times at church, but never underestimate the power of a praying mom or the power of a praying dad or the power of a praying grandparent or the power of a praying husband or the power of a praying wife or even the power of a praying child. God is in the miracle business. He answers our prayers and, 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 and prayer is one of the most powerful things we can do for somebody else. We can impact people with our time. Now we live such crazy busy lives. We leave for work before the sun comes up and we don't come home from work until the sun is already down. And we pull into our garages and the garage door closes Long gone are the days of sitting on the front porch and drinking sweet tea or lemonade with the neighbor. But imagine the impact we can have with someone just by spending time with them. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. I wanna encourage us to slow down our lives to create margin in, in our schedules to spend time with our friends and our families and our neighbors. It says in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil or better translated because we live in an evil world. You know, impacting other people for Jesus, it's not complicated. It's simple, really. It's doing a few simple things, but it takes time and it takes some intentionality to spend time with others. Now, anytime you watch a movie like It's a Wonderful Life, we put ourselves in the movie. Like, you know, we put ourselves in the shoes of one of the characters in the movie. And so you probably put yourselves in in George Bailey's shoes. Or maybe you put yourself in, in Mary Bailey's shoes, the wife's shoes, the mom's shoes. Well, as we, as we close out the, the message today, I want you to put yourselves in Clarence's shoes, the angel that was trying to get his wings. 
And Mary and her kids were, were praying for George. And God answered their prayers, and God sent the angel to, to save him. I want you to ask yourself today, who is it that God is sending you to save? You know, we live in a world full of George and Mary Baileys. They look, they look great on the outside, right? Great job, great house, great kids. Everybody's, everybody's beautiful. But there are a lot of people like George Bailey who are, who are hurting and struggling and going through some difficult times. I think about what we've been through these last couple of years with the pandemic and everything that has happened. People are hurting. People are depressed. People are struggling. Substance abuse is sky high. People are dealing with mental health issues. Who is it that God is sending you to save? And the truth of the matter is we can't save anybody. Only God can save people. The greatest impact we can have in someone's life is sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ, telling them about Jesus. Christmas Eve at Greystone Church, we're gonna talk about Jesus. We're talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. Christmas and Easter, those are the two times of the year that people are more, most open to coming to church. And so I wanna ask you, to pray and think, who is it that God wants to use you to save them, to invite them to, to Christmas Eve? And we have these popcorn buckets. We actually have uh, 300 of these at all of our campuses. And in just a second, the campus pastor is going to come up and explain this a little bit more. But in the popcorn bucket, we have, we have a microwave popcorn we have some candy in here. We have an invitation to our Christmas Eve services. I think the kids are, are making a note to put in here as well. And you can put anything in here you want to, but we are praying and trusting that this year we'll invite 300 families to Christmas Eve. And so I'd like to ask every family at our church across all of our campuses, each family invite one family. And I want you to pray about it. I think, well, who is it that God has put on your heart. Could be a family member. You may have a family member who doesn't know Jesus. Could be a neighbor, could be a friend. I want you to think about who is it that God is wanting you to reach out to? Now we can't make anybody come, but we can invite them, we can pray for them, we can serve them, we can encourage them, we can speak life into them. So as we move into a time of worship, the campus, campus pastor is going to come up and they're going to give us a little more instruction about how to invite somebody to Christmas at Greystone. So let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for the, it's a wonderful life movie and the, the message of, of the movie. And I, I think a lot of us don't realize, we just think we're just living normal every, everyday lives, but we truly are living wonderful lives. 
especially those of us who, who know Jesus. And we have that, that peace that surpasses all understanding. God, I pray if there's anyone here, anyone listening, anyone watching who doesn't know you, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. They put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And God, just as you sent the angel Clarence to save George, God, we, like the, the prophet Isaiah, we're saying, send us. God, send us into the world, to neighbors, to friends, to family members. God, put someone on our heart that we can reach out to and speak life into and encourage and to invite to our Christmas services. God, we know that we can't change people's lives, but, but you can. And so we pray this Christmas, God, as we celebrate the miracle of Jesus' birth, we'll be able to celebrate the miracle of many, many changed lives. We pray it all in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.